Welcome to Torah Imecha, Nachyomi, with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Liat Meyerfeld, and today we will be studying the Book of Yoel, Chapter 4. In this final chapter, Chapter 4, the Navi deals again with this great day, that all the nations of the world, especially the surrounding nations, will come and wage war against the Jewish people and will attempt to destroy the land. But God will rise, so to speak, to the occasion and defend them, and will bless the Jewish land with physical prosperity. Yoel starts verse 1 with the big announcement, the eternal promise. Behold, in those days and in that time, when I restore the fortunes of Yehuda and Yerushalayim, God promises I will make Israel great again. I will gather all the nations, says God, and bring them down to the valley of Yehoshaphat. Ibn Ezra says that this is an actual place, the valley of the great war between Yehoshaphat, a righteous king, and the nations of Moab and Ammon who came to fight against him. Rashi sees this perhaps as a symbolic place, named for what will occur, Emek from the root of Amok, deep, and Yehoshaphat meaning God will judge. So this is a place where we find depth of judgment, getting down into the details and judging the nations. V'nishpatiti imam sham alami v'nachalati Israel, And I will bring forth judgment there because of my nation and my inheritance, Israel. The Malbim develops this idea and says this valley is the ultimate place of judgment for Esav and Ishmael. It is the valley where God's judgment is meted out in the war to end all wars, the war of Gog and Magog. The Malbim continues and questions, Why are the nations punished if it was Bnei Israel's destiny? It was meant to happen, decreed by God. The same question is asked about the Egyptians being punished for enslaving the Jewish people. God had already told Avraham years before that his children would be enslaved. The classic overarching answer is an understanding of God's absolute perfection in giving each person and each nation across the generations exactly what they need and what they deserve. Exact justice for the Jewish people and exacting justice for the nations. God's hashgacha providence is perfect to a level that we can't even comprehend. An answer often discussed at many people's Pesach seders is that although the Jewish people needed to be enslaved, it was the Egyptians who chose to do so, and to such a horrific degree, and for that they are punished. Perhaps that is why the nations are told that they will be punished here as well. The Malbim sees the answer in the words of verse 2, and he says that the nations are punished for two specific reasons. Asher First reason, Asher Pizru Bagoim, because they have scattered them amongst the nations. They continuously force the Jewish people to move from one country to the other, never giving them refuge or respite. Second reason, they have divided my land. They took the people, enslaved them, and took all their belongings, and went further to plunder the country and divided it amongst themselves, as if it was theirs, forgetting that it is Artsi, my land, says God. And in verse 3, Yoel summarizes, They cast lots over my people, as if it was all random and not their purposeful doing. It was all worthless in their eyes as they sold young boys and girls for prostitution and to get drunk. Again, we see that drinking wine symbolizes a lack of awareness and not channeling everything for its true purpose. Verse 6, You have sold all the people with no respect for them or for me. Uvnei Yehuda, Uvnei Yerushalayim, Mechartem, 
לבני היוונים, למען הרחיקם מעל גבולם. You have purposely tried to distance my people from their borders, from the place that they call home, from their essence. In verse 7, Yoel starts to describe things turning around. The Jewish people will start to return to their homeland, and it is their oppressors that will now have to deal with the consequences. It's a time of ultimate justice. We reach verse 10, where we read familiar words. Yoel says, Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Kitu itechem lecharavot umazmarotechem leremachim. In Yeshayahu chapter 2, we heard a dreamlike prophecy, very similar. Thus spoke Yeshayahu the son of Amotz, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Bechitetu chavotam leitim vechaninotehem lemazmerot. In Yeshayahu, the weapons became farming tools. And here, Yoel describes farming tools being turned into weapons. Yoel and Yeshayahu, two images, two prophets, two periods, two melodies. Are they contradictory? Perhaps they're complementary. They are seemingly talking to each other. Yeshayahu is one of the most well-known prophets in the history of Israelite prophecy, Yoel less so, and Yoel is also more puzzling from a historical point of view. But this dialogue of theirs affords us a moment of reflection on the end of times. We can imagine the two different workshops. Both of them have ironmongers and blacksmiths, wrapped in leather aprons, making tools out of other tools. One group is taking swords and making work implements, joyously, I would hope. The other, working more quietly, with serious faces and furrowed brows, they are taking the tools for harvesting and making them weapons of destruction. Which do you prefer? It should be clear which picture is a better one, no? Between war and peace, isn't peace preferable? Yes, peace is preferable, but precisely because of that, it's not clear which of the two pictures is more appropriate. The 4th century Roman sage Publius Flavius taught the world, one who wants peace should prepare for war. And it's no wonder that Israeli commanders found this slogan fitting to decorate the walls of army training bases throughout the country. This, of course, fits in with what we have learned from King Shlomo in Kohelet. A time for weeping, a time for laughing, a time for war, and a time for peace. Everything is dependent on context and time. And although we're learning the prophecy of Yoel, for our lives, I feel that it's imperative that we promote Yeshayahu's famous vision. War can be a necessity, at times indispensable. At times there's nothing more just or moral. We must be ready for it, ready to give our lives. Otherwise, these are all empty words. But there's no glory on the fields of slaughter. War is never an end in itself. It is evil even if the results are good. According to the Radak, Yoel came first chronologically, as he lived in the times of Yehoram, and Yeshayahu lived later during the rule of Chizkiyahu. So maybe we can envision Yoel's description of a necessary war to end all wars and then pray to afterwards see Shayao's vision of never needing those weapons of war again, a time of continued peace. Yoel goes on to describe this great time of Yom Hashem. Verse 13 describes abundant crops and overflowing wine, seemingly sustenance and success. But the commentaries concur that this is a metaphor for God's anger being complete. The time is full, the wine is overflowing, Again, a sign of vices run wild and overflowing to the point that God has made his decision in the Valley of Decision, Emek HaCharutz, in verse 14. The sun and moon and stars are darkened, as described in verse 15. 
The Rambam often sees the description of sun and moon as describing the greatness of the nations, and Abarbanel here develops this idea. He explains that astrological predictions can show the rise and fall of celestial powers to teach us of the success and failings of the nations. Here, the astrological predictions show the sun and moon as darkening to show us the downfall of the nations. In verse 16, we hear God's voice roars like a lion, and his voice comes from Jerusalem. Across the lands, God's voice is a loud roar so that everyone will hear, but those that are already close in Yerushalayim can hear his voice clearly. Heaven and earth tremble. The Malbim explains here that the ways of nature, both in heaven and on earth, will be suspended. No longer will nature run its course because the Jewish people are protected beyond nature, למעלה מן הטבע. והשם מחסה לעמו ומעוז לבני ישראל. God will be a shelter to his people, a refuge to the children of Israel. This seeming repetition actually shows many forms of endearment. Firstly, the name of God used here is the name symbolizing God's virtue of justice, to tell us that even justice is willing to protect the Jewish people. Even if we are not deserving, we are, after all, amo his beloved nation. God gives us a shelter to teach us that we will be protected, no evil will befall us again. The root of the word ma'oz is oz, a refuge. Hashem oz la'moyiten. When Tehillim we pray for strength, may God give his people strength. Machaseh is protection, and ma'oz is a step above that. Ma'oz is strength. We won't just be safe, but we will prevail with strength. And the name Israel is used because Yaakov has fought with man and with God. This battle is our essence, to constantly be strengthening ourselves to be great. And again the Navi says the idea that we will know God, a deep knowledge of a personal God. Verse 17, You will know that I am the holy God who resides in the holy mountain of Zion and Yerushalayim will become sanctified and no longer belong to strangers. Strangers will not have the run of it any longer, not as conquerors, but also implying that strangers will not even walk through Yerushalayim, because the holiness of the city will be kept with all the relevant laws of purity. It will literally be a holy, sanctified place, a spiritual garden of Eden. The hills will drip with nectar. And the mountains, the hills, will flow with milk. The ponds and reservoirs of Yehuda will be overflowing with water, a garden of Eden. The rest of the nations that came to destroy the Jewish people will suffer horrible consequences, but you will be saved and flourish. The Navi concludes with the famous verse 20, Yehuda le'olam teshev. Yehuda will be settled forever, without any more exiles. V'Yerushalayim le'dor v'dor. And Jerusalem will remain for the Jewish people as its capital from one generation to the next. Let's never take our ability to take multi-generational pictures, especially in Yerushalayim, for granted. I get goosebumps envisioning this special bracha. It looks like the prophecy of Zechariah. The elders will sit in the city square of Yerushalayim watching. The streets are crowded with boys and girls playing. And finally, verse 21, the final promise. 
I will cleanse, their blood I will not cleanse. Maybe it's a question, Viniketi, should I cleanse? Their blood I will not cleanse is the answer. The verse isn't clear. Whose blood is God referring to? Is he asking us? Is he telling us? Rashi has a famous interpretation. He tells us that God is speaking regarding the nations of the world. Even if I cleanse them of other sins in their hands, and of the evils that they have done to me, I can forgo my own honor, Hashem says, but I will not cleanse them of the blood of the children of Yehuda. My love of the Jewish people is so great that I can never forgive the nations for trampling them. Even if I forget all the bloods of the world, the blood of the Jewish people, the blood that's been spilt of the Jews in all the bitter exiles, the horrid events throughout history, the blood spilt and lives lost in wars, their blood I will not forgive, I will not forget. I don't wipe it off, it's never erased. They have not died in vain, it's not forgotten in front of me, promises Hashem. When will this come to pass? At the time when the Holy One, blessed be He, will dwell permanently in Zion. This expression was put into Av HaRachamim and other prayers regarding the tragedies of Jewish people. After all is said and done, Hashem will never forsake the Jewish people. Hashem Shochen B'Tzion Hashem's home is in Zion in Yerushalayim, a city of unity, togetherness, and peace. And that is the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Navi Yoel has put forward. It's really unfortunate that Yoel is little known to us because he contains the basic elements of Jewish life. The ability to repent and reconnect no matter how far we stray. The spiritual response to disasters because they do occur for a reason. The eternal dream of the Jewish people and its destiny in the future. And the restoration of our people as a united loving front together with our loving God in the land of Israel in Yerushalayim. Thank you for studying together. Le'ilui Nishmat, Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat, Alexander Sander.